0: You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word.
1: and the Lord's Supper, when we enter in the time of communion as a corporate body or even as individuals we have to prepare ourselves and so this morning I've been tasked to share about spiritual cleansing and then spiritual preparation and so if we look in first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28 it says this that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup if you read in verse 29 it's pretty clear that if you don't examine yourself and if you've not prepared your heart and if you've not confessed your sin uh, that you're drinking judgment God's judgment onto yourself Because this is a very serious moment. And for many of us, myself included, that are not very serious people, very often, uh, when we enter a time of communion, it's a time to really get honest with ourselves and to say, you know what, God, I don't know what's in my heart, but you do help point out any sin. I'm reminded of Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, where David's crying out to God and begging him, saying, God, please search me, know my heart, know my anxious thoughts, know any sin that's in the way. Point out anything that's wicked. Point anything out that would cause me to not be in a right relationship with you before I take uh, your blood and take your body. And so this morning, I want to challenge us as a church to get honest with ourselves, to be serious about the sin that's in our life. Because if you live a life like mine, which we all struggle, we all have issues, whether at work, home, school, uh, in our own families, before we enter a time of communion, we have to understand how real this is and how important this is. That no, we can't go into with unconfessed sin. One of the many dangers, I would say that the greatest danger to a, a Christian, uh, especially in our country, is living a life with unconfessed sin. And as you enter the Lord's table, you have to make sure that that's confessed. And so this morning, we want to make sure we get serious, we get honest. And then the last point, we want to make sure that we're willing to be broken. Not many of us like to get broken. We don't like our feelings to be hurt. A lot of us don't like to cry. Uh, but I, I'm often, even personally, and I'll share um, just a little bit with you. There's amazing. It's amazing to me how many movies that will make you almost cry, especially us men. We almost cry a lot, you know, but we never really cry. Uh, it's amazing. Even commercials nowadays, 30 seconds of air and they somehow get us to a place where we're like, man, I think my, my eyes are getting a little uh, wet there for a second. And so, uh, if we can be moved by that, shouldn't our sin move us? Shouldn't uh, a relationship with Jesus move us to brokenness? And so this morning, before we take uh, the cup and take uh, the bread, may we get honest, and may we get serious, and may we be willing to be broken uh, for what Christ did for us on the cross so many years ago.
0: During the communion, we have our elements, the bread and the juice. I want to look today at the body of Christ broken, the bread that was broken for us in Luke 22, 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And I see some very important things in this short little verse passage here. Important elements for us as we begin to come into that time of taking of the elements. The first one I see is the bread of the element itself, and then the body of Christ. The bread as the element. Christ took this bread, and right in the verse, he compared it to his body. This is my bread, which is, this is my body, which is broken for you. In the Old Testament, we find a verse, Leviticus 21.6, that says this, They should be holy unto their God and not profane the name of their God. This is talking about the Levites. And the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore, they shall be holy. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices, the daily sacrifice that had to be given for the sins of the nation, for the sins of the individuals that came to the temple every day or to the tabernacle in the wilderness were compared to bread. And the priest's job was to offer up the bread to God, the bread of sacrifice. Christ is our high priest. He sits in the heavens now as our high priest before God, and he offers up the bread of his own body for us the bread of the sacrifice, but not a sacrifice that had to be continually offered over and over and over and over again as it did in the Old Testament, but a one-time offering for all the sins, past, present, and future of the world, the one-time offering as the high priest, as the priest of the Old Testament offered the bread of God, the bread of the sacrifice, so he offers the bread of his body as sacrifice for us. Commentary in Matthew Henry, this bread that was given for us is given to us to be food for our souls. For nothing can be more nourishing and satisfying to our souls than the doctrine of Christ making atonement for sin. And the assurance of our interest in that atonement, this bread that was broken and given for us to satisfy for the guilt of our sins, is broken and given to us to satisfy the desire of our souls. And I see a very important element there, but also I see the body of Christ itself. In the Old Testament and the New Testament also in this time, in the Passover feast, they would use the unleavened bread, which would be like a cracker, basically. You've probably seen them in the stores maybe around this time of year. They sell them in Jewish, in the, in the international part of the grocery stores. But it wouldn't be puffy and fluffy like a nice piece of bread that you eat at dinner. It would be like a cracker, unleavened, unrisen. And the leaven in the Old Testament is often compared to sin, sin. That bread was to have no leaven in it because that bread was to be a part of the Passover feast that had no sin. Jesus Christ had no sin. Just as that bread had no leaven in it, it had no sin, Jesus Christ had no sin in himself, which made him the perfect sacrifice, which made him the last sacrifice that ever had to be. Isaiah 53, 5, "...but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes." we are healed. The physical bread was broken and passed out to the disciples that night. And Jesus' body was also broken for us. He endured the beatings, the whip, the thorns, the nails. He was broken for us. And we do this in remembrance, as again in Matthew Henry's commentary, what he did for us when he died for us and for a memorial of what we do in making ourselves partakers of him. When we take those elements, partakers of him, and joining ourselves to him in the everlasting covenant, the broken body of Christ. Matthew
2: twenty six, twenty-six through twenty-eight. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, the new covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Think about Adam and Eve. Go all the way back to, to Genesis, to the, to the very first book. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden, the beautiful garden. Whenever that serpent came and they fell into the temptation of sin, That caused every single person that will ever live, that has ever lived, that is living, and that will ever live, to sin. To be born with a sin nature. And from that point on, a a sacrifice of blood, something had to die for the forgiveness of those sins. Whenever Jesus came, whenever Jesus was speaking of his death, he told the disciples, This is my blood. This is what's going to take care of your sins. This is what's going to take care of everyone's sins for the rest of eternity. All they've got to do is believe. Whenever I read this, I think of two things. Number one, the power of the blood. The power of the blood. Think about how many people are on earth. Think about how many people sin. Think about how many sins people commit. Think about all of these things. And and even though the magnitude of people and the magnitude of people's sins is so overpowering to us, the power of the blood is so much more. So much more. And then, not only the power of the blood, but the promise of the blood. Whenever we accept that blood, whenever we accept that sacrifice that Jesus came and that Jesus gave unto us, when we accept that we have a promise of eternal life, that own that's the only way we can have it is whenever we take that promise so the that powerful that sweet but powerful blood of Jesus also has a sweet powerful promise
3: in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not an indwelling presence. The Hebrew term for Holy Spirit is Ruach Yodesh, which means the holy breath of God. And it was mysterious because the breath of God would fall upon this place or upon this place just when the will of God would dictate. Some 2,000 years after the cross and after Pentecost, we understand that we who are born again are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, but the Holy Spirit is still the breath of God that will fall upon a place and fall upon a person. And we're grateful for that. Many of you can look back at your life and you can remember those times when God showed up. Services in this room where scores of people would respond to a gospel invitation and be born again. Times on the mission field where people would be broken and realize that God had shown up. My question to you today, have you ever been a witness to the breath of God? I remember as an eight-year-old little boy, a teacher explaining the gospel and then God breathing on that situation. And what was evidenced on a page of scripture became evidenced into the pages of my life, and God showed up. I remember as a teenage young boy and feeling so overwhelmed by the pressure of God to respond to an invitation to gospel ministry, and I relinquished the reins of my life to Him, and God showed up. And all of the times throughout life that you know God is leading you and that God is meeting with you as if you were the only person on this planet and you had His full and undivided attention. Has God ever shown up personally in your life? In a moment, we'll receive a piece of bread and a little cup of juice. But all of that is for naught unless you have taken care of business with Jesus. Early this morning... We had our building set up ready for worship at 8.30 and I was pacing. You may not know this about me, but I'm a little bit of a nervous sort. And I was pacing and I was thinking and a bit overwhelmed with all of the challenges that are before us. Some you're aware of, more you'll be aware of after Wednesday night, I pray. God is choosing to show up these days in both of our campuses, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm almost talking out loud to God, hoping nobody can see me or hear me or is paying much attention to me, eating their coffee and donuts and all that. And I'm just saying, but God, there's so much potential here. God, there's so much more that, that, that we can do. And, and God at Dublin, I, I know that we need this and we need that and, and all of this and, and I'm almost overwhelmed and I'm thinking about what it must have been like to have been in that upper room that night and some of the disciples thinking that Christ is going to set his kingdom up on this planet and right now and others are wondering because he's just told them that he's got to die and he's got to go away to prepare a place and, and the disciples are overwhelmed and I, and I found myself in that moment early this morning in good company and I cried out and I said God I need a word from you God I need you to blow your breath upon this place and if you speak only to me may I listen God speak and it just so happened that somebody was practicing their song and I was thinking I wish they'd turn the music down so I could hear from God it was as if God said well I'm speaking just listen listen the song was simply this be still and know be still and know there is very little that can calm our soul in these tumultuous days but to know that 2000 years ago on a cruel Roman cross the only person that could is the only person that would and is the only person that did and his name was Jesus and he allowed his body to be broken for you and me he allowed His blood to be spilled out for you and me. So for no other reason but that, be still and know. I remember as a child, we would attend church on special occasions. And any time that I went in the church and I saw this lump of stuff on the offertory table, enshrouded in a mysterious cloth, I always felt a little bit uncomfortable because I knew at the end of the service communion was going to take place. And I didn't understand it. And it, it seemed so grown up and sophisticated and, and so ritualistic. And, and they would have the service and then at the end they would tack on this little addendum called communion. Years ago, I had the privilege of becoming your pastor. I wanted to be very careful that we did not ever see this as a ritual. And that it would never be enshrouded in mystery, pomp and circumstance out the door, but that it would be clearly explained what it means, what it signifies, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean salvation. Taking a wafer that we ordered online and some juicy juice bought at food line will not save you. In fact, this is an act of obedience, just like baptism, that comes after salvation. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. And we can't do something in remembrance until it has first happened in our life. He did not say this do in remembrance of me hanging upon a cross necessarily. But this do in remembrance of the occasion that you became a partaker. That you accepted my gift of my body broken and my blood poured out. So he took the bread And literally, he would break a piece off and he would say, this is my body broken. I can almost hear that wafer snapping. And him handing it to each of those disciples. The one who would betray him. The one who would deny him. Those who would flee from him and claim they never knew him. This is my body. This is my body broken for you and for you and for you for Ashton, for Marie and Christian and on, for you. It is an individual gift. It is not a blanket gift. Although Jesus died for the whosoever, it was individually. If you and I would have been the only person on this planet in need of salvation, he would have had his body broken for you specifically. Wow, what a thought. So this morning as these bread trays come by, And you reach into that tray and you pick up a little wafer. Remember that is a picture of Jesus saying, my body broken for you. And when we reach in and we take it, we do so in remembrance of his amazing love and what he was willing to do, that which we could not do. What a thought. What a thought.